0: How are we doing?
1: Hey. hey Mark, how are you today? Hey, Mark? Mark. Hey Mark. How you hey. doing?
0: Welcome back to Thursdays. And that means you're on the Mark Sports Talk with your host, Mark, with a C, of course, of course. And welcome to our 73rd, that's right, 73 shows. Michael, what do you say? Tana Hara, Tana there, Tana Hara. You go. there
2: you
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> All the cues we got here. Hope everyone who fasted last Thursday had an easy fast, if you are of that faith, (laughs) and atoned for all your wrongdoings from the previous year. (laughs) What, you had none? Of course, I had none, so I didn't didn't have to (laughs) fast. My chest
3: is black and blue. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Why don't we get to our special guest, because we have a special guest in our 73rd show. Uh, This guest, uh, I've known him for 35 plus years. I've taught him everything he knows.
4: (laughs) Well, maybe not
0: everything. Well, as far as sports, we definitely uh, are in there. Um, He'll be talking about sports card collections and everything that goes along with it. So let's give a nice on the mark sports talk. Welcome to my son, Stephen Gold.
5: Hey, thank well, you. Thank welcome, you. Thank Steve. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, Dad. Uh, appreciate coming on the show. Uh, while I've never been on the show, I've uh, definitely listened to my fair share of episodes, and uh, as engineer, have uh, made sure that every single episode has reached uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So, uh, good show. Glad to be on, and uh, happy to be talking to you guys about cards. So, uh, so yeah, so basically uh i mean i'm sure we all here have collected cards uh, in our lifetime uh all of different ages but uh it shares a, a close spot to our hearts for all of us uh you know growing up uh, for me in the the early 90s going to the card store with my allowance and buying a pack of cards uh, trying to hit a ken griffey jr card or a frank thomas card uh, and i'm sure with you guys too uh you know, back in the the 50s and 60s, and you know, collecting cards. My dad putting them on his spokes of his car, of his bike, or uh, playing a little game with them in in the in the house. There, uh, you know, regardless of the money that's attached to potentially making anything, you know, cards uh, share a close spot in our hearts. So, uh, you know, when when COVID came around uh, back in 2020, uh, and there was that Michael Jordan uh, documentary, The Last Dance. Uh, I started to catch a, catch a whiff of sports cards again. And um, you know, I grew up when I was a child and you know, up until my teenage years and then uh, you know, stopped collecting. And then uh, around that time, I was collecting uh, autographed jerseys. And with the jerseys, I would uh, go on Facebook groups and just buy and trade and sell. And uh, it, was, it was a fun pastime. And then I, I caught a whiff of some basketball cards with uh, Zion Williamson and Ja Morant uh, as the rookie class. And um, on an auction, I bought a, bought a box of cards that you would normally buy in uh, Target for $19.99. I, I bought them for like $100. And then two days later, I, uh, I saw the market and I sold it for about $200. Literally, the cards were in my hand for a second. And then I, I sold it. I said, holy shit, what's going on here? I, I saw like an anomaly in, you know, okay, well, I can make a little bit of money. So I bought a couple of boxes of that same, you know, that same class. And um, just for, you know, giggles, I, I opened up a pack. And I ended up pulling this card here. This is a, a Zion Williamson rookie card. Now, uh, at the time when COVID hit, uh, these cards had just came out in December and he was the biggest thing since LeBron James in basketball. So coupled with the fact that everyone was home for uh, you know, the pandemic and the fact that all of these places shut down, they weren't producing anymore, uh, the cards skyrocketed. And uh, uh, there's a lot of variations. I thought when I pulled this card, I said to my wife, I said, wow, baby, we, we just hit a $2,500 card. You know, you see the prices now, this is just the base card. It's only worth a couple hundred dollars, but, uh, but my, my interest got sparked from there. And, uh, from there, I spent the next week, uh, barely sleeping just on eBay, on Facebook, uh, hitting up any friends that I knew that were collecting cards, uh, or still in from, you know, the nineties or, you know, the two thousands and just gain knowledge again. And, um, For me, it was the idea that sports cards uh, was kind of like playing fantasy sports. So I play fantasy football in a couple of leagues every single year. So you're always looking towards what players are going to pop for the season and who's going to have a great year, along with the idea of sports betting a little bit, where, you know, you take the idea of stocks and if you sell at the right time, you can make a few extra bucks. So I, I dove on in. And, uh, and here I am today. I've been collecting for two years now. Um, I primarily will uh, buy cards and then uh, buy packs of cards, open them for the enjoyment of opening packs, hopefully hit one or two cards that are of significant value, uh, sell the rest on eBay for you know, a couple bucks, and then get the one or two cards that are really popular graded in hopes that I get a grade of a nine or a 10. Um, now, in a little bit, I'll go through the idea of grading, the grading companies, uh, what the grades mean, and the values. Uh, but I figured, you know, let's a good place to start would be, you know, the history of cards. Um, you know, so the first American cards uh, came out in the early 1900s. I'm sure everyone is pretty familiar, uh, included in candy and tobacco products. And from there, uh, there was interest, and you know, we move into the, you know, the the 50s, 60s. Tops is a big player um, you know, producing baseball and basketball cards. And then, you know, the era that I'm familiar with, you know, the junk era of the nineties, where there was overproduction of cards. Um, and that led to a lot of cards diving in price. Uh, there's a great documentary on Netflix called Jack of all trades, which, uh, not sure if any of you guys saw it. Uh, but in it, it goes over the, the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. So this card right here, which I don't know if, uh, any of you have owned this card in your time, but this was the most sought after card in my existence as a, as a person for 35 years. This was the card that I was chasing when I was uh, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, and uh, it played significant value in my life. And so the documentary goes into the fact that uh, these card companies, Upper Deck, knew what they had in the sports market. And instead of printing a whole entire sheet of every single card, they'd print hundreds of thousands of sheets with just this card on it. So they would just take this card because it had the most value in the pack and they'd overproduce it like crazy. And then they'd sell this card specifically to the card stores and the card stores would say, oh, we only have one or two, buy it for 100, 200, $300. And they would spike the price of this card. But the fact was that they were getting over on everyone because as it touched your hands, there was more and more produced, making the value less important, right? The, the less of something there is, the more money it could be worth. So that, that's kind of what led to the overproduction of cards. Um, and then after the 90s and the 2000s, you had the introduction of numbered cards. You have cards that have autographs on them, cards that have patches from jerseys, game worn patches, uh, booklets with uh, you know, maybe five or six signatures on them so that now obviously there's an overproduction of those base cards, but you have these cards that are sought after in the pack. So you buy a box, you might hit a card that's of you know, 50 of them produced, so there's extra value there. Um, now we have pretty much two major players in the card space. You have Tops and you have Panini. Now I know a couple months ago or a month ago, I don't know how long ago it was, um, and I know on this show, you guys talked about it. Uh, Fanatics um, acquired the license of the MLB um, starting in 2025. Um, so, Tops was the long time the only licensee of being able to create cards with the logos of the clubs on them. Um, now, that's going to be actually uh, Fanatics taking over that, which is huge. Uh, Tops itself was about to go public uh, on a merger and the actual merger group pulled out after this news was, uh, was made public. So Tops, you know, while it still will have value, uh, you know, they may focus more heavily on soccer, um, there's UFC, there's a lot of other sports, but the baseball license, it absolutely kills them. Now, one thing that, uh, that happened as well, Fanatics also acquired the rights of the NFL and the NBA. So in the next decade, now panini right now is the other big sports card uh producer they have the nfl and and uh nba license in a in the next decade there's only going to be one company the fanatics that has every single license they'll have a monopoly over the card market and uh that'll be interesting to see um they'll have their own take on sports cards but um but you know as a hobby it's always going to be something that people will collect so there'll always be some value there um but you know very interesting to see that this market absolutely exploded um, in the last two, three years, to the point that these major companies are are really buying in and buying licenses. Whereas, you know, before the pandemic, it probably wasn't even a thought for fanatics to want to get into this lane. Um, so got a couple of cool stories, uh, sports card wise to share with you guys. Let me just share my screen here. Uh, so can everybody see my screen? Can you see that Mark Jackson, th- thumbs up?
0: Does everyone see that?
5: Yep, see it. Cool, cool. So uh, just going to go through a couple of cool cards because, uh, you know, cards also just, you know, from being a hobby, from having uh, value, they also uh, share a a nice spot in memories of time, right? So this is a 1990 NBA Hoops Mark Jackson card. Now, uh, this card's not worth any money, but if you can see here, circled in the yellow is actually the Mendez brothers, sitting front row at a new york knicks game the mendez brothers i don't know if you guys are familiar uh very famous for killing their parents in beverly hills and going on the run and took a while for them to get caught they're in jail right now they got sentenced to i think 26 27 years in jail uh for killing their parents but here on the run not yet caught by the cops they're sitting front row in a new York knicks game and moment caught on card i thought that was pretty cool um, and, you know, it's always fun to, uh, to look back at.
0: <laughs>
5: Next up, we have uh, a Billy Ripken 1989 Fleer card. Now, the famous thing about this is if you look here on the bottom of his bat, I can zoom in a little bit. You see there? That actually says fuckface. So on the bottom of his bat, uh, curse word. And so at first, it was not picked up by Fleer. They printed this card with the explicit language on it. And then once they found it, they retracted and created the card with nothing on the bottom of the bat. So they edited that out. So now that's a little bit more sought after of a card. As you can see up top here on the the naming of the card, it says Bill Ripken FF error. So anytime there's an error, something that's spotted uh, that they retract, obviously there's less of these in production than others. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a cool card to own. Uh, you know, next up, uh, uh, where are we at? Uh, actually, we're going to pass on this card because we already spoke about that. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh, Michael Jordan. So MJ is obviously one of the... I, I guess he'd be the most sought after, one of the most sought after cards. Um, definitely it spoke spiked, spiked a big interest in people and there's a lot of Michael Jordan uh, collectors. But what's interesting to know is that the card on the right, that Fleer premium card uh, came out in 1986 and it's uh, widely known as his rookie card. Well, believe it or not, he was actually a rookie in 1985, but, there was no company that had a mass distributed license of basketball cards from 1982 to 1985. End of 19, beginning of 1986, this company Star had the license for NBA cards, and they weren't produced in uh, plenty. They weren't they weren't produced pretty plentiful. Uh, you could buy them at, at at games in some hobby shops, but there wasn't a lot of it to go around. So in 1986, Fleer uh, got the license and mass produced, um, the, the basketball season. And actually in that season, uh, where is it at? Uh, so there's about one, there's a, uh, where's that? There's 131 cards in the Fleer 1986 set. And over half of those cards are rookie cards. So that set is, very sought after because it has those first cards for a lot of players mass produced. You have uh, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Akeem Olajuwon, Isaiah Thomas, Dominique Dawkins, a couple to name. So, you know, this 1985 card here actually, because it's not produced so, so widely and it's, there's a lot of ways that this card could be duplicated Uh, the main grading companies actually do not even take this card in to be graded. So you can't go to the major company that I go to is PSA to grade my cards. PSA will not touch these 1985 star cards. So that makes, again, the FLIR cards even more important because those are the ones that you can get graded. Uh, Then the most uh, famous card uh, would be this Honus Wagner. Now, This Honus Wagner, this card on the right here, uh, it's a three. This is the card that sold for $6.6 million. Now, we all know that a 10 is the top card. This was a three and it sold for $6 million. Now, the story behind this is pretty interesting. So this card uh, came out and there's actually only about 50 of this specific card in circulation in the entire world. The reason for that is because uh, Onus Wagner actually did not want, so these cards came with tobacco products and Honus Wagner wanted, did not want his, his card to be sold with tobacco products. So he, he told them that they had absolutely no permission to sell his card. He didn't want it to be sold with cigarettes. So essentially there was only about 50 of these that hit the market and then they were recalled. So that's why this card here is so famous because there's literally only 50 of them in existence. And uh, the shape is not the regular shape. I mean, it's it's 1909. So long, long time ago. Um, but there's only 50 of those in uh, in production, which is- uh, And,
0: and Stephen, they spelled Pittsburgh wrong. Isn't there an H at the end of Pittsburgh?
5: let uh, is that right?
0: Yes, <laughs> <There's> another error.
5: <laughs> P-I-T-T-S-B-U-R-G?
0: H. Am I, am I right or wrong, guys? Yeah, yeah.
5: Hmm. So there I you wonder go.
0: what's on the jersey, if there's a G after the jersey. I don't know that, but uh, down below, there's no H. Okay.
5: Interesting, yeah. So a uh, couple of cool stories. So, you know, there's, there's moments in time stuck in these cards, um, which, which uh, makes them even more valuable, um, and also, again, plays to the heartstrings that we have attached to these. So the more that we're attached to something, the more sought after they are, regardless of what the actual value might be um so basically you have all these cards and uh you know we pull them from packs we've all went to card stores we bought packs uh we've cut corners we put them in the spokes of our you know our bikes we've we've done all crazy things with them and so now i'm going to get into the idea of uh grading cards so what does it actually mean to get a card graded right so this here is a ken griffey jr rookie card but it's encased so you can see that it has information up top that uh, clearly says, and then in the top corner, it has a number. Now the number it's uh, one through 10. So 10 being the card is perfect, right? You have a card that is perfectly centered. You have a card that has corners, that is flawless. They're sharp, there's nowhere. Uh, the back of the card is centered as well. Uh, you have uh, no issues with the surface you have uh, a card that to the naked eye and to an eye that's using a magnifying glass, it, it looks perfect and it looks, it looks damn near perfect. So you can get uh, essentially 60-40 on the centering. And when you're talking about centering of the card, this was the hardest thing for me to understand, but once I saw it, it made complete sense. Um, I'm gonna pull up uh, my screen one more time just to show the idea of centering. So if we look at this Michael Jordan card here uh, uh, on the right-hand side, the FLIR card, you could see that we have Michael Jordan in the center, and then we have a border, this white space on either end. And then we have a border up top, this red space on the top and bottom. So centering means that his picture is actually cut perfectly from the sheet to make the card equally in distance, uh, equal in distance from itself, So that the centering is not off by, uh, basically you can have a card that's 60-40. So almost perfect constitutes a 10. And that's the biggest thing that someone will look to because that is essentially the, the sexiness of a card. When you see a card that's off-centered, you clearly see it and it's, it's less appealing to the eye. So 10s obviously are the highest sought after and 10s will actually get pretty much maybe 10 times as much money for a card than a nine would get in a card that's heavily produced. (laughs) So let's talk about this Ken Griffey Jr. card, right? So as I mentioned before, and in the Jack of all trades uh, documentary, they talk about how this card was just overproduced like crazy. So for PSA, which is, so there's two major companies, there's PSA and BGS that do all the major grading. There's a lot of companies that came out in the last decade or two uh, that do grading as well. But these are the companies that yield the highest dollar. Um, Other companies would not yield as much money unless it's like uh, that Honus Wagner card where there's only 50 of them in production. Now, compared to the Honus Wagner, this card here, this has 82,650 of these actually graded by PSA. So let's assume that that number is double because BGS has them graded as well. So let's say that there's 160,000 of these graded compared to Honus Wagner, there's only 50 in existence with only 33 graded, okay? The PSA 10, so the top card of this, there's 3,969 graded as a 10. So of those 82,000 cards, only 4,000 of them are graded a 10 that 10 right now, if you had it and you wanted to sell it today, you can sell it on eBay for $2,600 for a 10. Now, population, right? So the PSA 9, which this is a 9, the PSA 9, there's 26,000 PSA 9s. So compared to the tens, there's 26,000 PSA 9s. And that 9 sells for $200. So the nine sells for $200, the 10 sells for $2,600. So you see how much more money that 10 is worth. And the grading is so important because this, if I was to sell a raw card on eBay, I'd have to see to my eye, how does it look? Is it worth that money? A card that is, uh, is in better condition than another is worth more. Well, the graded card, I don't need to see what the card value is. I can see the grade and know it's a 10 or a nine and I know what I'm getting. Now, an eight if we go down the line one more, there's 33,000 eights graded. And the eight only goes for $99. So you could see how important it is. If you get that 10, it's worth a lot more money than any other grade. Now, the next card that I'm gonna go into uh, graded uh, and discuss uh, the value is the Michael Jordan rookie card that we just had on the screen there. Uh, That being one of the most uh, sought after cards Um, has a lot of value because everyone wants to chase Michael Jordan, the best basketball player of all time. And assuming, you know, he's still alive, uh, there's room for it to grow. uh, You know, assume once he does, has more accolades in his life. If he does, Mike, you got a question?
4: Uh, Yes. Question. Uh, Who grades these cards? Like if you go to a a store, how do you know the grading is accurate? Yeah.
5: Yeah. Good question. So the grading is actually done, there. they're actual individual companies. And so the card that I'm holding up here, I get all my cards graded from a company called PSA. Uh, They're specifically, their, their name is Collectors Universe. And they've been in the grading industry for a long time. They started with coins. Uh, So they used to grade coins and then they got into sports cards back in the uh, 1990s, I believe. Um, so there's, you know, you can get them graded by a couple of different companies, but in the industry, uh, PSA and, uh, BGS, they're two companies. BGS is based in Texas. Uh, that's actually Beckett. If you guys remember the Becketts that we used to get, you know, to look up the card values back in the day. Uh, so BGS is owned by Beckett and PSA is owned by, uh, Collectors Universe, which is known in the collecting and, uh, grading world as a reputable company. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of other companies that do grading too, uh, you know, in the last year, because cards have gotten so big in the last two years, there's been about 10 other companies, uh, that, that came out saying, oh, we have this AI technology where it's not up to the human eye because, you know, we're, we're paying a company to get these graded. You ship them to the company. They sit there and then an actual human being takes a magnifying glass and looks at my card. And then another person, so there's quality checks that go on with the company. There's a whole process that they follow to grade each card. They have everything documented, but uh, essentially you're putting a lot of faith in the grading companies, because if these cards are worth a couple million dollars, you have to actually have this card leave your hand to either ship to this company, or you can go to the company and, you know, if I had a a million dollar card, I'd I'd fly to California with that card and hand it directly to them in person. I'd go into their corporate headquarters. PSA as a company, it wasn't actually a public company uh, up until a year ago. So Collectors Universe was sold on stock and uh, actually I bought the stock as soon as I started grading cards, I saw they were public and the stock jumped about $40 in price before they sold uh, in 2020 for $700 million. So uh, now a group uh, owns PSA and it's, pu- it's, it's private. Uh, but yeah, the card companies, there's two that are very well-known. There's a few extra that are starting to gain popularity. But um, in general, the card uh, industry just accepts these companies as those that are, are worthwhile and acceptable. Uh, so the, the Jordan 86 FLIR card, right? Uh, Griffey had 82,000 graded by PSA. The Jordan Rookie card has 20,000 graded by PSA. Of those 20,000, Only 319 are a 10. So that 10 sold in this past summer for $840,000. Close to a million dollars for the Michael Jordan rookie card. Now, if we were to go to a nine, which again, significant drop in value, but still, if you're looking at $840,000, how much is that nine worth? Well, the nines, there's 2,800. In, in in production, and there's seventeen hundred dollars associated with that PSA nine. So you go from eight hundred and forty thousand dollars to seventeen thousand dollars. Now seventeen thousand dollars is good, still still a good chunk of change if you had that card sitting around your uh your your garage or in the basement or you know sitting in a book. The the eight there's eight thousand eights, and that uh, is worth eight thousand dollars. There's thirty seven hundred sevens. $6,300. Uh, and there's nineteen hundred sixes that go for $5,000. So that Jordan card is just a fun card because uh, it's, uh, you know, all the celebrities want to buy this card. So when you think about a value, uh, you know, of being able to resell, Jordan always has a high resale value because there's going to be people that are looking for him. Whereas, uh, you know, I may be very into Uh, You know, this is an R.J. Barrett rookie card, you know, from the New York Knicks, where it's a cool card. I got it graded. It's a 10. This card's worth about $700. But how many people are interested in R.J. Barrett? I got to find people that are interested in him that want to spend that money on this card to to realize that value. Whereas a Michael Jordan rookie card, you're going to have celebrities getting involved. You're going to have athletes. It's going to be a card that everyone wants to buy. Then the next card that I'm going to go into the value of just to show significance is that Honus Wagner card we talked about, right? So there's literally only uh, 50 cards produced of that. And the highest graded PSA card is actually an eight. So there's no tens, there's no nines, there's one eight, there's one five, there's one four, there's three threes, 10 twos and 10 ones. So when we go back to this card here, that card that only produced 50 times, like I mentioned, if we look at this screen here, that Honus Wagner, a CGS3, sold for $6.6 million. So you can tell that those cards, even if it's, uh, even if it's uh, 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 low in uh, grade, if it's that significant and that scarce, it's still going to fetch a lot of money. Um, I thought it'd be fun to just kind of put this up here and we could discuss it. So, uh, these are the most expensive trading card sales to date. So, um, underneath that Honus Wagner three, you have uh, Mickey Mantle, 1952 tops that sold for $5.2 million. You have LeBron James, uh, 2003 rookie card that has a patch and an autograph on it that sold for $5.2 million dollars. Luka Doncic, who's an up-and-coming basketball star, he hits number four on the list with a card that's autographed and it has an NBA logo on it for $4.6 million. For football, Patrick Mahomes, his rookie card, graded by BGS at an 8.5, not even a 10. This is an 8.5 that sold for $4.3 million of a card that came out in 2017. So if it was like a one-of-one or a very low, low number, it still fetches a good amount of money. Then Mike Trout is up there. His refractor autograph rookie card sold for 3.9 million. You have a couple other Honus Wagners on here too. So a PSA 2, you know, we mentioned there's 10 twos in the world. That sold for $3.75 million. Wayne Gretzky's rookie card sold for 3.75. And then the list of top 10 closes out with Honus Wagner a three and a five. So you could see Honus Wagner, you know, these names worth good money. And there's a lot of money. I mean, these are millions of dollars. And obviously none of the cards that I own are worth millions of dollars, but uh, still a lot of fun. There's a couple hundred dollars here or there to be made. So um, next thing uh, that I want to go into is how I've been making money getting cards graded and selling them because uh, it's not obviously, not, it's, a, it's a hobby of mine. Uh, it's a side business. It's not what I do, you know, full time. But on the side, I've been able to make a substantial amount of profit, just uh, just buying into cards, buying into players, getting them graded and selling them at the right time. So here we have Marcus Mariota rookie card that I bought for 20 bucks. I spent $15 to get this card graded. And I ended up selling it this past July for $225. So basically I would send in bulk 100 cards at a time. Uh, Now they don't accept uh, this value anymore, but it used to only cost $15 to get a card graded. Now, uh, obviously this is a little bit harder because the cheapest price to get a card graded at is $150. So they're trying to do away with a lot of the smaller cards and the cards that aren't worth too much money to only the cards that are worth the value plus $150. So for $35, I I lucked out and hit $225 on this card. Uh, Here's a LeBron James card, a second year uh, card, base card from Flair Authentics that I bought for $15, graded a 10, sold for $160. So a $30 investment uh, turned into $130 in profit. Uh, Right here, we have a a card that I bought for $12, a DeAndre Hopkins uh, rookie card that has a patch on it that's numbered to 25 got this graded uh it came back a nine and i sold it for two hundred dollars uh ended up banking 172 off of that uh and then one last one i think here uh cam reddish who's a rookie uh i bought this card it's it's cut out very nicely uh of 25 i, I bought it for 64 got it graded and i made uh, three hundred dollars on that card uh and profited 221 dollars so for me, what it's been about has been about just buying, uh, players that I feel like could be good, just spreading it around, uh, kind of like a portfolio of players that I think in the rookie class are going to be good, uh, buying a couple cards, ripping packs, uh, getting a bunch of cards together, sending them in to uh, PSA to get graded, making sure I know which ones, uh, are worth more than others. And then, uh, and then going from there and, and selling at the right time. So, uh, You know, right now I'm selling a lot of football cards because the football season just started. So uh, Sam Darnold doing very good. I literally sold my two graded Darnold uh, cards that uh, three weeks ago, uh, they were worth under $100. And this morning I sold one for $475, uh, was graded at a 9.5. And uh, the other one was graded at an eight. Um, And before the season started, I probably would have got $20 for that card. Uh, waited until two weeks in, he's 2-0, and oh, and I sold that card for $120. So, uh, you know, for me, it's just holding on to the cards and looking at the right time to sell and then just posting them up online uh, after that player hits. Uh, so, um, so yeah, that's pretty much a, a little bit of what I had. Um, any any questions? If you
0: guys, an yeah, yeah. Um, Marty? Oh, Marty. i, I call him
6: okay
0: just on mute went no you're still muted okay
6: yep had trouble
0: getting the mute, and now you're froze
6: sorry when you showed the basketball card you no know, the basketball card um sometimes the internet cuts out a bit who was that card that you showed before can the, you hear me yeah i can hear you the okay. the the
5: examples of uh, fun cards the the yeah. mark Jack- the mark jackson card you no, talking about before,
6: no before that there was a um there was a basketball card that you you had that you put on the first card you showed is it this no, one here no before that no nope, it was before that it was um a card that you had bought i or from years ago you had it um oh this one here yeah
5: which one is that so this is this is zion williamson he was the number one draft pick in uh the nba draft right before COVID hit and uh pretty much he's on the pelicans uh he's like the the most sought after player since uh since lebron james uh pretty much he's valued and he's uh there's talks of him wanting to come to the knicks uh he mentioned last year that he wanted to come to the Knicks. he played a he played for Duke, I believe, and he played with uh, R.J. Barrett in college. So R.J. Barrett, him, and uh, Cam Reddish as well. The last card that I showed, they all played together in college.
7: Okay, thank you. Yeah.
0: Who else has a question? Okay, Howie?
7: Stephen. Uh, last month, uh, Real Sports did a segment on card collecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they featured one A young man who was 18, who in the past two years has become a millionaire from it. I don't know how accurate that was, but he did. But the other thing that they brought up was that card collecting became very big, especially during the pandemic. People were inside. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think this will cause a bubble in the uh, market for cards?
5: 100%. Uh, so just like I, um, so in the past year and a half, right, I've never been involved in, uh, in, in, in this market before the pandemic and me, just like I would say there's, I mean, thousands of people just like me, my same age, who in the nineties collected cards and left and then got back in. So there was a huge uptick as we all got in. I mean, I'd say for a year and a half, there wasn't a day where I wasn't getting a package with a card uh literally every single day there was another package at my door with cards i was just buying 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 and i have about in total i probably sent in about maybe like 700 cards to get graded by psa and uh just like me there's thousands of people that did this too Uh, so just as i showed you a couple of of great cards a lot of people submitted cards that aren't worth anything they 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 believed in players that busted right? So a lot of these base cards. So, you know, that this Zion Williamson card, I go back to this because, you know, we'll talk about overpopulation because right now what's happening is that Panini and Tops are realizing that everyone is buying cards. So they're back to overproducing and making it easier for you to pull a rookie like Zion Williamson. And they're creating tons of new series. So there's, you know, there's in a year, They'll release maybe fifteen or twenty different sets for you to buy into. So there's there's Prism, there's Chrome, there's this, there's that, there's Stadium Club, there's all these different kinds of series that you could buy into. So and then there's so that's why numbered cards and cards that are low population will still hold a value. Um, you know, if I sold this card a year ago, it would have been worth about seven hundred dollars. Now this card's worth about three hundred dollars. So it still has a value, but the value has gone down. And as we uh, continue on, um, you know, I still have about maybe 300 cards or so that are still at PSA in California waiting to be graded for me to get back. So PSA, every month right now, they grade about 191,000 cards. So every single month, there's about 200,000 cards getting graded. So the answer is yes. The value of these, uh, you got it. I mean, I'd say sell now if you're in it for the business of it, right? If you're trying to make money, I'm I'm an advocate of selling now because uh, realize the money before the money's not there. Uh, But, you know, some of the players like, uh, you know, I've got Patrick Mahomes rookie cards that uh, I'm not going to sell right? Uh, this card here is worth around $2,000. Um, and, you know, his career, if he wins a couple more championships, there's room for this to grow. So, you know, the, the players that are legends, your, your, your Michael Jordans, your LeBron James, your Kobe Bryants, your Tiger Woods, your, um, your Patrick Mahomes, your Kevin Durants, uh, those guys will have value. Um, but it's all these other players that are on the fringe that are, that are easier to pull in packs that, uh, will be less and less in value.
0: Stephen, tell them how long it takes for you. Once you send it to the, uh, the grading company, how long does it usually take to come back?
5: Yeah. So, how long, how long? Uh, we were talking about the overproduction. So, you know, I sent in all my cards and so did everybody else. And we all sent these cards in during the pandemic when people weren't working. So PSA, a public company, you know, wasn't, wasn't equipped to handle the rate of cards coming in. Plus they were shut down, them and BGS, uh, BGS in Texas uh, shut down, uh, you know, PSA in California. So they built a huge backlog of cards and had just a few people grading cards. So essentially uh, they have different tiers that you can send cards in. Uh, the cheapest tier was $15. And at $15, you're sending the card in. And at if, if this was three years ago, you'd get that card back in maybe two, three months. You know, it's kind of like not top priority. Um, you can spend, you know, two, $300, $400 and get that card back in a week if you wanted it that badly. But, you know, the, the cheapest value, you know, send it in, wait for it. Uh, the super value, you know, two, three months. So since everybody was sending in their cards, that two, three months turned into a year, a little over a year. Uh, I haven't, so uh, basically because they had so much backlog, they shut down their submissions. So PSA stopped accepting cards uh, at a point in 2020 because they had such a backlog. They had went uh, from public to private, sold for $700 million. And the people that bought the company hired on a ton of more people. um, And now they're at a rate where they're grading 191,000 cards every single month. Uh, But for the last year and a half, that wasn't the case. So for me, uh, those cards that I sent in, hoping to get them back in two, three months because I I sent all them in, okay, quick money uh, turned into a year, turned into a year and a half, uh, some of them I'm waiting for. Uh,
1: So that plays into it all. Ron? Well, first of all, Steven, that was a great presentation. Oh, thanks. You know, know, really uh, very informative and if if you don't mind i have three cards of mine i would like to show if that's okay with you guys yeah yeah the first one is from sixty nine seventy. wait i don't see your screen
5: can you say it oh is it where where are you i don't know where
1: he's holding the picture
5: oh yeah yeah there we go okay yeah yeah yeah. okay
1: that's the luau cinder rookie card from from the set i have yep now Obviously, this card is off-centered. I don't know if you could tell. It's a—it's not one of the most perfect cards I have. Right. But it's from the set. But the coincidence—the thing with this card and the 86-87 set you talked about, the set before this was a 61-62 set. Uh-huh. So this set also has a lot of rookie cards in it. Nice. You know, basically, like all the Nick plays, the Reed, the Frazier, all those. So that's... Uh, the first card I got, Luwasa nice. Cinda.
5: Yeah, and Lua, you can yeah, see Lua
1: back then it was Luwasa Cinder, right? And
5: exactly. and the way to see, keep holding that card up for those the centering, right? You could yeah, see the circle left
1: to right. isn't it?
5: yeah, you could see right here. It's it's uh on the on the one side, it's oh, it's almost the circle is almost cut off, whereas the other side you can clearly see a white border.
1: Right, so right. but this was also like the first set I ever started collecting. Yeah, so that's why like it means a lot to me, you know, having the set and everything. Uh, the next card I'd like to show is this one. Yeah. Come a little closer. Hard to see. Hard to see.
5: And by, That's close to a million dollar card graded.
1: Uh, it, this is the uh, Bird Magic Rookie card. Okay. And the thing about it, the guy in the middle is Julius Serving. And, and the card is made in like three panels. And a lot of the people ripped them and disconnected them you know so that's that was the 80, 81 set that i have so. and another thing
5: interesting that's that's 1980 or no yeah. is that is that 88
1: no this is 80, 81 80, 81
5: nice that card so uh that card uh i'm looking up values here right uh where are we at a four of that was sold on thursday september 29th for 825 dollars so the 10 is worth uh, I think the ten sold for uh, uh, I, I mean maybe a, a 50, 60, seventy thousand dollars or so. Yeah. Wow. And that that Luol Cinder card that you throw up there. Yeah. Uh, that card raw so in any condition is about five hundred dollars. Uh, a PSA four of that, which uh, you know I don't know how those corners are, but that very well could be a four or a five. The, the four sold on Wednesday, September 22nd for $1,600.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Now I saved the best for last. Yep. There it is. There it is. You got it. That's the Jordan Rookies card that yeah. I, I actually have the set nice. with the stickers. Oh. I, I bought the set in um, probably about 1989. So I bought it a while ago. But yeah, this is the Jordan rookie card that uh, Stephen was talking about before. So we s-
5: we sending those cards in to get graded. What are we waiting on?
1: Uh, I, I want to get together with you. That's what I want to do and see what what should be done about them. I, yeah. I want to get your opinion on them too. Yeah, we send them, that, that looks that looks nice. How are those corners? The corners are pretty good, and centering is. Eh, I mean, it, it's pretty good. So you
5: got, I mean, the corners, I mean, from the eye here, I mean, obviously it looks like the, the the left side's a little bit heavier than the right, but not by too much. Maybe the top to bottom is the biggest variance. The top looks like it's a little smaller than the bottom there.
1: Well, maybe, but, I don't know, maybe it's the view or something because, yeah. yeah, it might be the view, but yeah, but that's.
5: That looks good. I mean, you have a, four a 10, the centering wow. just has to be 60-40. Really, so- so- It doesn't have to be 50-50. It could be a slightly off from 50-50. We froze. Uh, With cards like that, they're reprinted so much that it's very hard to know what's real and what's fake to the point where you won't see a lot of those Jordan rookie cards being sold raw because people just don't want to invest the money in the accident that it might not actually be real you know, now you, you obviously have a history of you bought it in the store, you know, you got it in 1989, but if uh, you know, it was bought from one person to another transferred, you know, I, I got it from my mother's, my, my father's set in the, the garage, you know, you can easily see how I might think that it's real, uh, but it's actually not. So very hard to sell a raw Jordan card uh, right. more so than not, you get it graded so you can can realize it.
1: Yeah. Well, there's some things I, I actually did research on what to look for. Like right under the fleur symbol, there's like a triangle. Yep. Okay. And in the fake cards, it's it's all yellow. Yep. But here there are like little red dots in it. So.
0: Yep. And know, a couple... maybe next week you'll come over one day, one afternoon, and he'll.
1: Okay.
5: Uh... okay. Yeah, and you should uh, uh we should, the 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 Larry Bird card should definitely get sent in for grading. Oh. Okay. Um, any of those? I mean that that uh that that Lua uh luau cinder card i mean if it's a safe if it holds value in your life and like you know it's a you know some of these cards you don't want to sell you just want to hold on to them because they they hold value for you um you get them graded so that by you know if there's an accident or you know it gets ruined or you know it's at least it's encased um and it's stored and then you can throw them in like a safety deposit box um and keep them and you know that way they don't get flooded out or anything like that (laughs)
1: <laughs> but thanks Steve. that, that was a great uh, presentation thanks who else has a nice question uh michael
4: oh yeah hi I'm, I'm here i'm back back i also i agree it's a great presentation thanks for coming and all that yeah. i have two cards i'm going to show yeah and this i think was about 10 years ago eileen and i were in leadville colorado which is the highest incorporated city in the entire country and uh, there was an antique shop. And in this antique shop, they were uh, selling baseball cards. And they were very, very reasonably priced. So uh, <clears throat> I hope to God these are uh, legitimate, but they could be fakes for all I know. The first one is of my idol. And uh, let me see if I get that good. That's the Mick. Mickey Mano. Right? Yep. And uh, I think it says uh, mint on there. 19... 19- Fifty-three, right? So uh, that's that card. Not a reprint. It's probably. You think it's a reprint? I don't know. You don't know. I have the same card as a reprint. You have the oh, same okay. card. You you have the but same card it, as a reprint. Then uh, yeah. Was it was it packed in a uh, in plastic like this? Uh, you... I have the original.
5: So just uh, just so we all know that card, if it was real, um, a, a, a three. So a graded three of this card sold for four thousand dollars two hundred
2: four thousand two hundred and
8: eighty-two dollars. I have one. There it is. Wow. It's a reprint. Wow. Four
4: bucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> no way. And my other one. Sweet card. My other one, even though I bought it in Leghill uh, years ago, I also remember as a kid having it. And I probably flipped it away. And that's uh Mickey later on in his career. So, wow, yeah, pretty cool to have these. Oh, know, yeah, and, uh, that, yeah, yeah. So that, so that, that right there, it's in New York City, and it was the. That's that's my story. Yeah, that that
5: card right there. If you could see in the top right hand corner, it has like a top sign. Uh, the yeah. the first card you showed. Oh, this one. Oh, actually, yeah. wait, yeah, that one. And does the Mickey Mantle also have that in the top right? That gold uh, sticker there. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. top right hand side. So those are actually uh, those are reprints. They're they're so what Tops did um, in the in the two thousands was every year they would revisit an old rookie class um, and reprint those cards for the new set so that younger kids can pull them and and things like that. So that's not the actual the original wouldn't have that in the top right hand corner there, um, but still a good memory. Thank you.
0: Anybody else bring cards?
2: Uh, Milton? Yeah, no, I just want to ask, Stephen, are the digital versions, is there a big market for them, the NFTs?
0: Yeah,
5: so NFTs, yeah, we didn't touch into NFTs, but...
2: Well, uh, let me ask you, they are legitimate if it's on the blockchain, right? Yeah, that's...
5: E- yes, yes. So, you know, the uh, NFTs are very, very new. Uh, it's a market that has yet to be realized, but uh, the idea behind... NFTs is that they're, they're digital moments stored in time, where we may associate, a, you know, a ticket stub as value, right? So uh, you know, uh, a Michael Jordan game, Kobe's last game, or you know, you went to see this rookie, you know, start, and that 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 stub uh, has value, or you have a, an actual signature. Uh, the idea is that now, as we reach into the digital age of you know, twenty twenty, what is it, twenty twenty one? People, I mean, obviously, I'm talking like I'm old, but I'm, I'm not that old. But people that are younger than me, um, they view the internet as an actual tan- tangible com- commodity. So, whereas we associate value with uh, an actual thing that we can touch, people that are, you know, 10 years my younger, 15 years younger than me, uh, could associate a, a meme or like a picture stamped in time, like being the first one. Like, so for example, um, there was an NFT created of Elon Musk's first tweet on Twitter that was sold for uh, thousands of dollars. Huh. Um, so that's the idea behind NFTs, that there's stamps in time that are attached to the blockchain so that you can authenticate that this was the very first. Sure, you can take a screenshot of that tweet or you can take a screenshot of a picture but the actual first picture being created is stamped in time on a chain that is visible to the entire. If you know how to access it, you can go in and you could just see that it's there, and it shows the authentication. So uh, NBA actually created these things called Top Shot, which are digital packs of cards, um, and then there's tons of other things that are, you know, you have artists, not even cards or sports related, but. You have artists, um, you know, whether it be uh, performance artists or uh, visual artists creating special projects. You have companies that are creating NFTs that have uh, actual values to them. So, for example, um, there's, a, there's an entrepreneur that created a series of pictures. And each picture that you, uh, you auctioned and won uh, as an NFT was also assigned with a, with a value in real life. So you got access to a conference. Uh, you got a 60 minute call with this entrepreneur. Um, you got different values associated with the level of what you buy into. So NFTs definitely are going to be a thing of the future, um, but it's still so very early that it's kind of like throwing a dart at a, at a wall there that you don't know what's gonna hit. Um, So people are buying them up who have money just because they don't know what's going to be popular. Uh, But it'll probably take a decade or so for us to actually realize what, where the value is there.
2: Thanks. Are they bought with dollars or they have to be bought with crypto?
5: They have to be bought with crypto. So um, I don't know if you heard of. So there's there's um, there's Bitcoin. Uh, There's another one called Ethereum. Um, I, I don't know if these names sound familiar, but the, the reason why Ethereum actually has value is because Ethereum actually is the base coin that's used for all of these NFTs. Right. So all of these, uh, all of these artists, so there's different markets, just like there's eBay, there's NFT markets that are associated with, 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 uh, with, with cryptocurrency. So they build their platform on the base of Ethereum. And then you can actually go onto their website and trade, you know, you enter in your bank account or you enter in, you know, your credit card number and you exchange $200 for a percentage of an Ethereum coin. Uh, Ethereum coins go for, I think it's between two dollars and $3,000 per coin right now. Uh, so the idea is that you have to buy it with these coins that are on the, the public ledger um, for you to, to buy into. Okay.
0: <laughs> Anybody that's else explaining. have a uh, a pick a, a card, Marty? Did you bring any cards?
5: Yeah, and and the reason why I told everyone bring a few cards is because uh, while I do see value in it, and I you know there's obviously value to make money, uh, but it comes back to the hobby of us all collecting. So it's just fun to share memories of what
6: we own and, and what's 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 cool for us.
0: Marty and I we trade cards every now and then. So what do you got, Marty?
6: Yes, Stephen. That's exactly. I've been doing this for fun my whole life. Yep. Not to try to make money, but right. he, he, here's my first card. Nolan Ryan rookie. Yep. Right. Yes.
0: And who's with him? I can't see.
6: Kuzman is on course, here. Okay. It's not
0: hard to see
6: Kuzman. Okay. So yeah, it's hard to see on the screen. Probably it's it's not in mint condition. Um, you know the corners are all pretty worn. You know a little bit worn, not horribly, but they're worn. But it probably has some value. Yep. What What uh, year is that card? It's
5: 1968. 1968
6: tops. Yes. Okay. Yeah. This is my second card. Okay. This is a 1969 Reggie Jackson rookie card. Nice. Okay. Um. Again, you know, it's this is in a condition, very slight wear on the corners um, might be just a touch off off center. You know, mm-hmm. I can tell. That's an very original card, bit.
0: right? That's original. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These are... I just got the reprint for two dollars and seventy five cents. So then...
5: the, let's see the the Nolan Ryan rookie. Um, I'm looking at recent sales. So, uh, you know, let's say a a six that, uh, you know, has some wear on it. A six sold for $850. Uh, You know, if we go up to a seven, a seven sold for $1,800. An eight sold for $8,600. So uh, somewhere along those lines, a PSA four sold for $734.
6: Yep. so it has some value to some it. Some value, yep. Hope and I this... never need to sell cards for money.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, those, yeah, and those are just fun for like pass downs and just to have around. Yeah. Um, but again, <laughs> even even at the corners not being so so great and all, you might want to just send those those two cards in for grading so that they're encased and the value is just there so that you know that it's a you know just for fun that hey it's worth you know it's it's worth x amount of dollars and. Uh, it's just it's just stamped in time that uh, that it, it's, it's it's, that, you know,
6: yep. I don't know if I want to wait two years to get it back, though. <laughs> uh,
5: well, that, that uh, so right now, the cheapest rate to send a card in is one hundred and fifty dollars. So those fifteen dollar submissions are no longer available because the market exploded. So that right. 100, that one hundred fifty dollars will get you your card back in about two months now.
6: Hmm. It's a lot of money to lay out if it's only worth three hundred or yeah. four hundred. Yeah.
5: Yeah, 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 and that yeah. that right there is exactly what they're doing. They're saying, "Hey, if you think it's worth it, to graded for one hundred fifty bucks, send it in." But we don't want your twenty dollars cards. We don't want you grading and, and backing us up with all these uh, these cards that aren't even worth the amount of money it costs to get it graded. So
6: right, yeah, a yeah. so, third card, okay. George Bray. Yep, this is a George Brett rookie card. It's nice. 1975. This, I would hope the corners all look pretty good. I'm hoping this would be a at least a seven or higher. Nice. Yeah, Marty, does that have the cork bat? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I
2: wish. <laughs> you know, Stephen, it's a shame that I had all these cards and I used to flip them off the wall through grammar <laughs> school and high school. I had... Thousands and I we used to just flip them, and they got wrinkled, and the edges were no good. But I had a
8: lot and me. of
6: fun. I had a lot you of and fun. Me both. Me too. Me too. Hmm? Yeah. 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 Yep. That, I don't that, know it. I, I have two others if you just want me, unless you want someone yeah. else to go. Let's see him. Let's see him. Okay. Um, this is a Tom Seaver, 1967 rookie card. Nice. It's on here with Bill Dennehy. Right. Um, this isn't, there's a bad corner on this card. Um, yeah, there's one, it's it's not horrible, horrible, but um, you know, it's not mint condition or anything like that.
0: So that's nope, Seaver's rookie. Is rookie card? Yeah, Seaver's
6: rookie, rookie card. And you know the
0: story about Bill Dennehy, right? No. Bill Dennehy was traded to the Texas Ranges and then the Mets got in return. Who knows? Gil Hodges.
6: Really? Okay. Wow,
0: that's pretty good. Last card. This is a fun card. Gil Hodges as a manager.
6: They got him as a manager? Got him as oh. a, a trade, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. He was worth do Okay, and if you can see this card? Yeah, Pete Rose. Pete Rose yep. with me? Yep, this is um, I don't think they call this his rookie card. This is 1964, because he appeared on a 63 card in, you know, like a circle. Um, I looked for that. I thought I had that, but I don't. But this is the 64. <laughs> um it says all-star rookie on it so, so the the one not that's the, the m- best of shape but.
5: that uh that tom siever rookie card is definitely worth uh, a pretty penny uh you have a a six sold uh on sunday the 19th for two thousand dollars well it's not a six
6: not a six <laughs> this is I, don't, I doubt it would be is, um, uh, the corners, four. the corners are pretty worn. I don't know if you can see. Got gotcha. you.
5: Uh, a four sold for a thousand dollars. So there's, you know, that's definitely, okay. uh, that's that's a nice little little buck. Hmm. But still, that those are nice. Thanks for sharing.
6: You're welcome. I'm happy we I got to share and show them to you. Thank you. Love yeah. love doing this with you. Yeah.
0: You know, in my early, in my early years. And I think Stephen knows this. I'm sure he knows this. In my early years as a kid collecting, I used to play a game with my cards by myself on my bed. I'm not going to go into the game where it's called. That's a whole nother story. But I didn't, the way I had the card, here's a card I picked up this week. A nobody. Gary Burke. I'm sure his family's very happy that I have his card. He was a nobody. But if I would get a card, what I would do is I would take my scissor and I would just snip the corners like I'm doing right now. I would snip every card that I had and right away, all those old cards, their value was decreased immediately. <laughs> right? Immediately. So whatever card, a like Mickey Mantle back in the 1950s, snip, snip, snip. No one knew in the 50s that it's valuable. It was a toy. Right. They were toys. Correct? Right. right, boys? No one knew there was value. So we did what we did. We put them on the spokes. We threw them against the wall. We flipped them. We bent them in half. Whatever we did with them, no one knew. They were toys. Yeah. So I lost value on a lot of my cards.
5: Well, that's why the other ones are worth so much more, right? Because there's so many people that did the same. And it's years, you know, so that's why the idea is, well, you know, sure, there's still a lot of cards being produced. But, um, you know, who's to say in 50 years from now that, uh, you know, a Ken Griffey or a Patrick Mahomes, you know, might, you know, there might be worth a lot more money. Right.
0: And who knows, maybe in 50 years, uh, a Gary Rodenberg with Snip Corners might be worth something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anybody else have any more cards? Anybody else have questions? More quick. Fred, go ahead. Yeah, I just. You got muted. You got muted. We don't hear you. Fred, we don't hear you. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
9: Stephen, oh. athletes get compensated for, for their use of their likeness on the cards, right? Yes. Okay. Now, the next question I have to add related to that. You think there'll be a market for, for with the new ruling that college athletes can use their name, image, and likeness, and say a college athlete who's star in football today in 15 years makes a great you know, career in the NFL, his college card, if if the one is produced could could be worth a lot of money.
5: Yeah. So we're already seeing that. Like uh Cade Cunningham is a top prospect in basketball and he just signed on with with, right. uh, he signed on with Topps. Right. He's to the one
9: draft choice of the Pistons in the yeah. NBA draft. Yeah.
5: And so before he just signed on a, a, a deal with uh, Topps, and they have some of the the, the younger players that are there signing on. The but, only but, thing there is oh, sorry.
9: What were you going to say, Fred? Yeah. So say, because he's already a pro, because he's an, but there's a quarterback. I think his name is, his name is young, Nick Saban, coach of Alabama, said this guy has already made over a million dollars yep. before he even threw a pass. Yeah. am so thinking of a guy who's still in college.
5: Yep. So no, definitely definitely there's there's definitely a market for them. But what I'll say is that they they produce now so before so for each draft class they yeah. release a college, uh college uniform oh, I see. they they release college uniform cards first. And actually yeah, yeah. the college uniforms are there's there are rookie cards but they're not considered the the first rookie card is with the the actual jersey of the the pro team. So, like, Trevor Lawrence did, like, a whole big thing where he released yeah. cards, uh, you know, coming up into the new the new year, but he didn't have his Jacksonville Jaguars uniform on, and they right. sold, but, you know, in two years from now, yeah. those cards are not going to be worth as much as with his actual pro uniform on. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, there's, there's value there, and I think they'll, you know, these players are going to get more strategic. They're going to do, you know, the cards are going to become marketing pieces for them, and they definitely are going to make a cut um, every single time they sign their signature, they make a cut. And that's why those contracts with fanatics are worth so much money. And the potential value there is so much because the, you know, fanatics is saying that we'll pay you more than tops or panini is going to pay you, you know, how much do you want? We'll pay for you. you know, we'll pay you sure. for, it. um, so th- they're going to, they're going to be making a ton of money and they already are with, like you said, the, the deals that they're getting. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are doing NFTs and, you know, all these different things to capitalize on their name before they turn pros.
9: What does NFT stand
5: for? non fungile token. So it's like okay. a it's like not uh, tangible. Yeah. It's, a, it's right. like a big token.
8: Mm-hmm. Cool.
5: All
0: right, who else anybody else want to uh, say anything to Stephen or a question, comment? Anyone around the board?
8: All right. Roger. Roger. Hey, Steven. Very nice presentation. Yeah, very I like nice Mark awesome. also did all the flipping and training. And, you know, we used to beat up our cards. But I had one friend who was smart and he had his like in an, an album and stuff. And he tried to, you know, preserve <laughs> his cards. He was smarter than the rest of us. But yeah, we I mean, used to mark up the checklists, you know, all that all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's not much as worthwhile. But are uh, you not just putting these cards in an envelope. You must ensure these. Are you putting them in the plates that they're already in or... You know, when you're
5: sending them to when I, when I'm when I'm mailing them out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely have a system. Uh, so, you know, the cards that are worth more money um, insured, you know, shipping priority mail so that they get to the, the buyer in like two days. Um, I, you know, pack and stuff it really good. Uh, the cheaper cards, though, you know, if I'm selling a card for five bucks or two dollars, you know, or or even 20 bucks, um, those cards are, you know, I have a system in place, but they're sent in envelopes. Um, and, uh, when I send stuff on eBay, uh, they, they actually created a new mark. So eBay created a new, um, uh, a new way to ship cards, uh, insured uh, with tracking. So like before, you know, you send the uh, you send something with a, um, with a stamp on it, there's no way to get tracking on it and you want tracking with all your stuff. Uh, so eBay created work with the post office to create this, uh, stamp that you can buy on eBay when you sell and it actually has tracking on it. So, uh, you know, that's 73 cents to ship and anything under $20 could be shipped like this. Um, But I, you know, you definitely have. So of the two years that I've been selling cards on eBay, I've only really had uh, one issue um, where, and this just happened this past summer, where I sold a card for $90, uh, a graded rookie card of uh, Brandon Clark, who's a nobody on the, the Memphis Grizzlies uh, drafted same year as John Moran. So I thought maybe he'd come up, but not really worth much, but sold the card for 90 bucks. And, um, I got the tracking and the post office marked it as, uh, not delivered, but like arrived at the buyer's unit. Uh, but apparently the buyer never got the card and filed a dispute with eBay. And actually I lost the $90 because it never showed that it arrived at the person's address. Hmm. So, uh, Yeah. Uh, So, you know, there's, there's definitely, you know, it's just like any business where you have to account for uh, potential losses. Uh, But thankfully it hasn't been too plentiful.
0: And and tell them what you did last week. I was very surprised. It it was a local sale. So what'd you do? What'd I do? You went to to their house. You dropped it off at their house. Oh Oh, yeah.
5: Yeah. 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 Someone bought a card on eBay off of me and they live 15 minutes away. So instead of throwing it in the mail, I just uh, hopped in my car and drove 15 minutes and put it in their, their, uh, their mailbox.
0: Like a Craigslist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
5: Figured to uh, mitigate the potential of it getting lost in the mail.
0: Yeah. Stephen, tell them your, your website, if they want to see what you're uh, selling or what you have.
5: So uh, I created a, a moniker for myself. So it, it's uh, I, I call it Gold Slabs. So uh, basically on Instagram, if you have Instagram, it's gold.slabs. Uh, you can look it up and I have all my cards listed on there uh, to kind of see what I have. And there's a link on there to my eBay page. So you can see everything that I'm selling on eBay. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I find it a lot of fun. Okay.
0: Anybody else have anything else to say to Steven? No other questions, no comments, no nothing. You
2: no, know, uh, Stephen, I'm going to okay. save the no, Kevin Kermeyer's no. card for the future.
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, right. we're that not going to get to that story today. Yeah, <laughs> the banking stole... story Till next week. <laughs> no, all right, he
2: stole the uh, pitching plan. No, I want to trap that country.
0: We'll talk about that next week. But uh, Stephen, I want to thank you wholeheartedly from the from the boys uh, who come and. Uh, if, great presentation and you gave yeah. us uh, over an hour and change ah. it was more than we would said beforehand but there you we were go. rolling and i think everyone enjoyed it and on behalf of uh, uh you know on the mark sports talk i thank you wholeheartedly well, thank you
5: very
1: hey, much thank, thank you i'll be in touch with you and your father
5: yeah please anyone who wants to bring cards <laughs> over to get looked at or um, just look further or, or if you want to even like browse my collection or whatever, just uh, give us a shout.
0: We've got a lot of cards Thank down, Stephen. But he's, Thank moving, you. he's moving in a week or so, so you got to do it quick. Otherwise, oh. you got to see his new place. All right, so uh, uh, you're going to hang out, Stephen, with us? We have that 15, 20 minutes left. You're going to hang out with yeah. us? Yeah, I'll hang out. All right. So um, before we get to uh, our trivia questions, boys... Um, I thought a couple of interesting, uh, stories. I'm not going to go to all the stories, but the, the highlight, a couple of things like yesterday in 1966, so September 22nd in 1966, that was the, they called it the infamous 413 people in attendance at a Yankee game in Yankee stadium against the White no. so- <laughs> Did you guys remember that game at all? Yes.
7: Uh, yeah, Red Barber was fired. Was fired because was fired, it was right. fired.
0: the Yankees were 28 games out of first place on that date, and of course, in those days, '66, yeah, they were playing 162 games already. Um, They had a 66 and eight, 66 and 86 so, uh, record. A, a
9: Pre-CBS vendors.
0: Yeah. It was. It was an afternoon game. Um, I was watching. It was rescheduled from the 20th. So I guess on the 20th, that it rained out and they rescheduled. Maybe it's another reason why it's only 413. But I, I was interested in the players that played in that game. The Yankees had, of course, Horace Clark, and a lot of these things we're going to chuckle on uh, playing second base. Bobby Mercer was shortstop at that time. Tom Tresh was in left field. Joe Pepitone was still playing first base. Roger Maris was still in right field for the Yankees. But here's we go. Steve Whitaker. Remember him? Center right. right field. Up. Because I think either either Mick was gone or hurt or something. Um, Billy Bryan was catching. Billy hmm. Bryan, B-R-Y-A-N.
9: Kansas yeah. City.
0: Cleet Boyer <laughs> was third base and Stan Bonson was the starting pitcher. And Roy White and Hector Lopez pinch it oh. and Dooley, Dooley Womack came <laughs> in Dooley and, Womack. and relief. Yeah. The White Sox team, a couple of names I thought were familiar. They had Ed Stroud in, in fast guy in right field, but Don Buford, remember Don Buford? Yeah. Played left field. Orioles, I mean, for the yeah. Orioles in Orioles. the later half of the 60s was at second base. So he started as a second baseman. Tommy Agee mm-hmm. was in mm-hmm. center field. Mm-hmm. First right. base for the Chicago White Sox in 1966 was Bill Scarron. Right. Wow. Who remembers wow. Bill Scatter as a Great. White Sox? He came out of the game, and Tom McCraw went to first base. Uh, Dwayne Josephson was the catcher. Ken Berry was playing left field. Jerry Adair was at shortstop. Bill Weiss—that was Bill Weiss. Who? Bill Weiss. That's name. Bill Weiss. Who played oh, for the Mets? Al, Al, Al Weiss. Al Weiss. was at second base. Joel Horland was at uh, was the pitcher. Sure. Hoyt Wilhelm came into relief. I thought that was very interesting, um, seeing some of those players. Okay, so we got about 15-some-odd – Fred, you want to say something? before? No, we go it's you know, I,
9: you're going to do trivia. I had a question.
0: I, I think sure. we'll go to trivia, and, and my 45 pages of notes. will bank <laughs> on, if I think it's appropriate to bring it up, uh, next week, or bring it up next week. But uh, yeah, for, so Stephen, at 45 pages, thanks for talking so much. Are you, yeah. So, who's got uh, some trivia questions to stump the uh, stump the panel? And Fred, you want to go first? Yeah. And Stephen, you can play.
9: Okay. Cedric Moans of the Orioles needs one home run to hit 30 home runs, which will mean if he does, he'll become the sixth player in Major League history, five foot eight or less, to hit 30 in a season. Who are the other five?
1: Uh, no. Jimmy Wynn, Jimmy, Jimmy Wynn,
9: no. no.
4: Joe Does Morgan,
9: five for eight Go or more, less. Joe no. Morgan, no. no. Ricky
0: Henderson, no, no, no. So a short guy hitting 30 homers. Yeah, th- this oh, is pretty. Okay. Freddie pa- you pa- ever do it?
9: No. barely no. no. hit any <laughs> home runs. Three, three are in the hall. Three are in the Hall of Fame.
5: Oh, what about the Houston uh, Rockets? Uh, Houston, uh... uh Altuve, right? Altuve, right. you Jose said Al-Tube? Al-Tube? Yeah.
9: He's the only active player. Okay. One, reti- one retired a few years ago, and the other three are in the Hall of Fame. One was
0: oh. on the... Oh, yeah, the short... Oh, who's that short guy?
9: You're right. Uh, You're right. You got a tip of your tongue. Uh, Initial's a He <laughs> Retired a few years ago. J.R.? J.R.? <laughs> Played in the same division as the Mets for most of his career. On the Phillies. On the Phillies? Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Rollins? Rollins. Jimmy Rollins? Jimmy Rollins. The yeah. other th- and the other three are in the Hall of Fame. Jimmy Rollins
5: is that short, huh? Yeah. Really? Funny?
9: And it's just short, people, with- short people. And the other three the are in the Hall who- of Fame.
7: I forget his name. The guy who hit... The- 56 homers in the National League. He has the oh,
9: Hack Wilson, right? There were two others. <laughs> two others. Those both. old guys were short. Nice. Right? The old yeah. guys were
0: short in those days.
9: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Two, two, two Two others. Both, both played for teams that won a World Series. One of them won many World Series.
4: That's the Bera. Bera.
9: Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra. Oh, mm-hmm. right. and, and there's one more. Uruzuda. One no. more who's a hall of fame who unfortunately died died young but is but played in the eighties and nineties. All
0: right, give it to us because we Kirby, Kirby Pocket.
9: No. Uh, oh. oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Another question.
9: I
4: got a, I got another one. You want me to do another one?
9: <laughs>
0: well let's go on to Michael right. and
4: then we'll okay. come back All to right. Let me let me first give you a an a date of Maybe one of the more memorable memorable baseball games. And let me see if anybody comes up with this one. What happened on September fifteenth, nineteen sixty nine, in baseball?
0: That's when the
4: pennant. That's the...
0: Does anybody clenched. have an idea?
4: A very very Mets memorable clenched, clenched game. the pennant. What, what Jerry? Mets clenched the pennant. No no. All right, I'll tell you what happened, okay? And you guys tell me what teams played in this game. What happened was Steve Carlton struck out 19. What oh, that was the played? game?
9: 19, and he lost,
4: right? He lost. Right. Ron Swoboda hit two
9: home
8: runs. Two <laughs> run homers.
4: That's the that's a trivia question. Who hit two home runs? Oh. Ron Swoboda. Ron Swoboda. Yeah.
8: Yeah. Huh. All right. Okay. Who else has a question? No hands. Go back. All right, I Gerald. Gerald and uh, Danny. And in then, the about? matter... In the modern era, meaning after 1900, what team scored the most runs in consecutive games?
0: Hmm. Chicago (laughs) Cubs,
8: 35.
9: No. Is it it the Baltimore Orioles who scored 30 in one game and whatever they scored in the second game?
8: No, not the Orioles.
0: Uh, you gotta give us some hints if you can. Oh, no, <laughs>
8: uh, one of the teams is going well. I'll even give you the name of the team: Boston <laughs> Red Sox. I had a hunch. I figured it was the Red Sox. Okay. Oh, Fenway. So yeah. what? So if you gave us a team, what's the question then? <laughs> yeah. So, the so question. question is how many runs? How many runs <laughs> did they score on consecutive? <laughs> In consecutive games to hold a record and in what year? <laughs> oh, that's hard. We'll, we'll never get that. What's the answer? 49 runs in 1950. In two <laughs> games, they scored 49 runs. Wow. 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 Against the, the same tennis. team? Against uh, the same team? Let's see. Uh, they defeated the Browns 20 to 4. <laughs> and also 29 to four. Shoot. Both games were Fenway. Figured. <laughs> and it wasn't
0: a seven inning doubleheader.
4: No, <laughs>
0: no, no, it was not. All right, Danny has a question. Danny. Yeah,
3: this is just a uh, general comment All you guys know so much about baseball. How many of you guys realize <clears throat> that there are certain things that we take for granted in the game, <clears throat> such as your home. Your home team dugout should be by first base. But there's a lot of teams, especially in the West Coast, that the home team dugout is by third base. Third base, yeah. Right? Yeah. Especially in the West Coast. I saw Giants. it in San Francisco. I saw it in, at Dodger Stadium when I was there. And oddly enough, today I was watching the, the, the White Sox in Cleveland, playing in Cleveland, and the visiting team, the White Sox were by first base. We always take for granted that the first base dugout should be the home team, but you guys understand of why, on the West Coast in particular, hmm. the home base, the home team dugout is in third base.
4: That's,
8: That's why it's called that? the Left Coast, right? Yeah.
7: <laughs> you know why, Howard? You know? Bring out there. You no, know, I, I moved out here in '84 and. I, at first, I thought it was kind of strange, but I've accepted it. So, when, you guys go, when you guys go to a ball club, to go to a ball field
3: and, and and you will buy tickets, you prefer to be in by first base or third base?
9: First base. First base. I went
3: first. Yeah. first base <laughs> here on the East Coast is the shade. In the West Coast, in the West Coast
7: you're, to be in the shade in the day game, you got to be by third base. No, that's not true. In San Francisco, the shade is on first base side. On third base side, you're in, in the San sun. In San Francisco, you guys do everything backwards anyway. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but well, anyways, yeah, I just thought them I think the that that's sun, part of the reason.
1: Well, you know what Mark Twain said about San Francisco, right? Right. right. Yes. right.
3: But I was wondering how many of you guys realize that the number of teams that actually have it backwards from what we take for granted over here. You know, and I noticed that a few years ago, and I noticed it today again while I was watching TV. You know, so <laughs>
0: interesting.
3: I said it, I would yeah. look it
0: up, and I, I didn't have time to look it up, Danny. Danny All called right. me earlier and told but, me about this. But you know,
3: <laughs> okay. I All thought right. it was a, a, a point of curiosity. You know? that, yeah, everything is standard,
9: right? Uh, Fred, go ahead. Another question Who were the only two catches to hit two home runs and catch a shutout? In, the, in a World Series game? Gene Tennis? No. Gene Tennis? No. Yogi yeah. Berra.
8: Yogi Berra one. Yogi
9: Berra is one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got this off, well, not, if I can say where I got it from, you, you might know. It's not
0: Gary Carter, right? No. Nah. Still active catcher. Still playing today. So, he, so active know, catcher right? hit two home runs.
9: In a World Series game and caught a shutout.
7: Oh,
9: All right, I'm going to be here. One of the pitchers in the shutout that he caught is is still active and he's on the Yankees.
1: On the Yankees.
9: But it wasn't for the Yankees. And he doesn't, so he doesn't catch for the Yankees. But the pitcher on the Yankees was the starting pitcher in this shutout game of the
7: World Series. But that's the pitcher. I can not think about who the catcher is. Well, wow. <laughs> either Jared Cole Catch. or uh, yeah, I think of like, uh, the the Astros catcher. It was yeah. against. It
9: was against the. He pitched a shutout against the team who one of the members of this panel is a very ardent
7: fan
0: of. Oh, so the Cubs. So right. the Cubs. So who are the right. Cubs in the World they Series? Beat, the they beat. They beat the. Beat the
7: guy, the ma- manager of right. the Indians.
0: So who so was the Indians?
7: The Cubs in the series.
0: Still is the Indians catcher.
9: Indian. Perez? Yeah. Right, Roberto Perez game yeah. one, his two home runs. wow. wow. Unlikely and they bad, shut yeah. that, that was a combined pitching effort. Shut out. Wow. Never
0: would have got Never it. Uh-huh. Here. He's an unknown catcher. Corey, Corey, and Corey Kluber was the Corey starting Kluber. pitcher. Yeah. yeah. Kluber, right? Oh, All right? Who else has a question? Come on, boys. We still have about five minutes.
9: I got two more
8: if everybody wants.
0: Well, yeah, Gerald has one and I. <laughs> oh, okay.
8: What player hit over 400 in three different
4: World Series?
7: Mm. Wow.
4: During our lifetime or back in the day back yeah. in the day
3: oh, uh, yeah.
4: uh, <laughs> way back in the day
8: way, give it, give way. Us a day. way back <laughs> Owner Wagner. I'll no. give you initials,
9: EC. Eddie Collins. Yes, Eddie, Eddie Collins. Collins. <laughs> <laughs> that's really
0: good. Wow. The other guy, that's two. Howie? Oh, yeah. Howie has one. Oh, that was only one. One answer. Go ahead, Howie. Uh,
7: oh, uh, we were talking a few weeks ago about uh, the possibility of Guerrero uh, winning the triple crown, and uh, not. Being the MVP, and I kind of researched it, and it's happened four times in the past where the most, the most, where a guy won the Triple Crown, and was not the most valuable player. Can you name the players mm-hmm. who did it and the years? Kaliuszynski, Kaliuszynski, right,
9: sixty-eight. right. no. no. Oh. Wait, wasn't Denny McLean?
8: So, Mickey Mantle?
7: Mantle, no.
3: Mantle I'll give you a
7: hint. It's It occurred twice in the 1930s and twice in the 1940s.
6: Hmm.
0: So uh, I have the answer for this, I think.
6: Yeah, you have, you have
0: four, four times, right? Four times. And yeah. one guy did it twice. That's right. I have the, an- get- the answers right here. I'm going to take a guess
9: to the 30s. Joe Medwick? Yeah.
0: I'm have. i not going to give the answer. I have the answer in front of me. Why don't you tell us? Okay. In
7: 1933, Chuck Klein won the Triple Crown
4: Cubs, yeah. Uh,
7: yeah. for the Phillies, <laughs> the but Philly. he lost the MVP to Carl Hubble of the Giants, who won 23 games, 1.66 ERA. And uh, the Phillies, I think, finished last. Uh, In 1934, Lou Gehrig won the Triple Crown, 49 homers, 166 RBIs, 363. Oh, God. Didn't win the MVP because the Yankees finished second to the Tigers by seven games. The winner of the MVP was Mickey Cochran, the catcher, who hit two homers, 75 RBIs, and batted 320. Even though his teammate Charlie Geringer at 356 at 127 RBIs. The other two times was done by Hall of Famer who was not a big fan of the Sport writers who would vote on it. And that was Ted Williams.
9: In oh, yeah, yeah. Williams
7: won the Triple Crown 36 homers, 137 guys at 356. He lost. He lost it by 21 votes to, anyone want to guess?
8: Maggio? Maggio.
7: No, that was the year before. Oh, oh, right. (laughs) I lost it to Joe Gordon of the Aggies, who hit 18 homers, 103 RBIs, 322. In 1947, Williams again won the Triple Crown, 32 homers, 114 RBIs, hit 343. That year he lost it to DiMaggio, right. who only hit 20 homers, 97 RBIs, 315.
8: Hmm. So, so, again,
7: so the popularity contest. Tours, so, so who finished first
8: in mattered too, right? The winning teams. What? So. Which team won. So, well, Vladdy, Vladdy, Vladdy in should win it.
7: the Yankees beat out the Red Sox. Yeah. So,
5: but how so he's in contention with uh Otani, right? Who That's is, eliminated, is. El- yeah. el- eliminated from the playoffs, right.
0: yeah. yeah. Wow, well, the Blue Jays we hope are eliminated for Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
5: okay.
0: Well, let's see. I'm, uh,
5: That's I'm rooting a Blue Jays, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, we have time for one more question, and I guess Fred, you'll wrap the show up.
9: Okay, mm-hmm. who's the only player to lead the league in hitting the first? I'm not hitting in number of hits Hits. number of hits the first his first three years in the
0: major leagues Uh, no. No. so his first three years he had the most i'll give you should i give you a hint yeah i guess so time wise he has a the
9: the ball he the ballpark that he played in is still is still active still around and and it has a piece of equipment, piece of piece of the ballpark named for him running pesky Right, the pesky oh, wow. pesky, yeah. right. Very good, Harris. Oh, you, one. One, yeah. you get time for one more mark. All right, got to be a quickie. Much yeah. in my pocket. All right, who was the first switch hitter to hit home run from both sides that the played three times in the same season?
0: Well, Mickey Mell. No. Not Mickey. Right,
9: give it to give initials. Eddie Murray? He, he won an MVP. He's not in the he, – he, he, he played for mostly San Diego and Houston. He's not alive
0: switch hitter san diego and, houston. San diego and he, houston and he's
4: not alive he's dying ken Caminiti. that's right Ken, ken 1995.
9: yeah steroids wow. all, all, all this was done from either this day in baseball and the news and the and the post and all that that's where i get that's where i get all my stuff
8: from
0: Okay, <laughs> right. gerald you want to say something before i say goodbye
7: i'm going question
8: uh no, I have, I have one more trivia, if you want, but I have if, nothing if else.
0: Yeah, okay, we got 30 seconds. Come
8: on. <laughs> how <laughs> many How many bases did Bob Gibson steal in his career? Uh, 23.
2: <laughs> 18. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give you the
8: answer. He was 13 for 17 in base stealing, but wow. uh, he was a great athlete. And he was a member of the Globetrotters. But, of, oh, wow. of course, yeah. Otani has over 20 this year. Right. And, and, and Mark, that baseball
9: card you had, of Gary Roggenberg? Yeah. I believe, if memory serves me right, he was a star basketball player at the
0: University of Dayton. I hear I cut the corners. I cut the corners. <laughs> <laughs>
7: <laughs> you do uh, that. I think, I
0: think I'm thinking Why'd the same guy. you do that,
7: Mark?
0: I was Why'd showing a cool? point. I was showing a point. I never heard of the boy until I got what, the card. What Listen, did you pay for that card? Uh, $2.25. Who do you
9: play <laughs> for? Red Sox?
0: It says Red Sox here. And also... what's it. All right, boys. I want to close up the show. I want to thank you all for attending our 73rd. I want to thank our yeah. guest again. Thank Steven, you, Stephen. Stephen Gold for joining uh, us. and We you. hope you come back one of these days, Stephen. It's good to hear information on how you're doing and all that stuff. Sure. Boys, have a fantastic week, and uh, we'll catch so, you all out here next care, week. Mark. Enjoy yourself, and take care, Mark.
7: Take, take care, Mark. All right, Thanks, Mark. Mark. Take, take, you you. take care, Mark. All right. All right, guys. Thanks again, Stephen. Take care. Guys. Take a, right.
9: I still got this. Let's take one fist.